0: The following program is brought to you by We Are Many. To learn more about
1: this program or to find others like it, check out wearemany.org. All right, folks. Hello
0: and welcome to uh, the talk. T- today it's a, a, is a second recession coming, Debt Default, Austerity and Deflation. Our speaker today, Joel Geyer, has been a longtime socialist and activist. His writings have been featured in many publications. One of his most recent articles uh, in the the last issue of the International Socialist Review uh, provides a vital contribution to clarifying the sometimes confusing world of economics. He also rallies revolutionaries and socialists to not only understand economics, but also to fight for a different world. So without further ado, Joel. My friend Ashley uh, said to me before the meeting that he was coming to my annual meeting of gloom and doom. And uh, I don't want to disappoint him. This is probably going to be the gloomiest. Okay. Because what I'm going to try to lay out is that we're entering a new phase of the crisis. It is just unfolding. Uh, It may take a year or two or more to fully mature. Oh, people can't hear me. That's a new one. Okay. There you go.
1: Project. Thank you. Uh,
0: what I was saying was we've entered a new phase of this crisis uh, that may take a year or two or more to mature, but it is a more dangerous slump to the world economy and a more savage attack uh, to the world working class than has appeared in generations. I want to be able to lay out and sum up those ideas with some concepts of debt, default, austerity, deflation, and resistance. Um, But first, what I'd like to do is try to uh, in a few minutes only five, five minutes or so just um, what would you call it uh, revive or restore what has gone on in this crisis okay right. so, hmm? right. recap. recap okay <laughs> from the very beginning we have said this is a long term systemic crisis of the world capitalist system in the last century there have been two long crises that of the 1930s and that of the 1970s. A crisis does not just mean everything goes down. In the 1930s, things declined from 29 to 33. There was then a recovery until 36, and another depression, and the coal crisis was not solved until World War II. In 1970s, there were four recessions in the United States. 70-71, 73-74, 79-80, and 81-82. It comes out of the whole crisis of the permanent arms economy, stagflation, and things like that. It took years. The standard of living was cut. It was never really restored. But in 1982, there started a long neoliberal boom of 25 years in which the world economy tripled in size, in which there were two recessions in 1991 and 2001, uh, but they were comparatively short and minor by capitalist standards. It's the world that most everyone in this room grew up in until this crisis began, okay? Um, When I say this is a systemic crisis, what I mean is it is a crisis of every aspect of the capitalist system, in particular of production, which I am not going to be spending much time talking about, but it is a crisis of production and overproduction, of the overproduction of commodities, that is goods that can be sold on the market for a profit, and an overproduction of the means of production. Not just too many commodities, but too many factories making those commodities. One third of industrial production is now sitting idle throughout the world. It is a crisis of accumulation of profit rates and reinvestment and the expansion of capital why would anyone what Marx called expanded reproduction why would anyone build a factory in the United States at this point when 30% of them are not functioning ok and it is a crisis of debt of uh, housing debt personal debt corporate debt uh, financial and bank debt ok it is a crisis of the creditors, the people who hold that pay of debt, that is the banks and the financial system. It's a crisis also for labor, in which there is long-term massive unemployment, the creation, in Marx's words, of a reserve army of the unemployed that hold down wages and allow for a speed-up in order to extract more surplus value out of those workers who are actually working. And it is a crisis of the world market, of the world system, uh, of all of the trade relations that exist in the international capitalist system, of contradictions between importers and exporters, between exporters who have net exports uh, and therefore are creditors to the net importers between Germany and the south of Europe, between China and the United States, and it is one that is leading to a drastic change in all of the imperialist relations inside the world with many twists and turns to come. This crisis has been going on for three years now. It is longer than any of the other post-war crises except out of the 70s and so on. Okay? It starts with the housing bubble imploding four years ago. I just want to say two uh, two things about that. One, we had a housing bubble inside the United States. There was a worse housing bubble in Ireland, in Spain, in parts of Eastern Europe, uh, in France, and in Italy. It affects all sorts of places. Let me just tell you something about that housing bubble. From 1890 to 1996, over a hundred years, the price of housing in this country went up by 27 percent when you deduct inflation. That's the real rise in the price of housing for over a hundred years. From 96 to 2006, in 10 years, the price of housing went up 92 percent. It was an asset bubble. Okay, that included. And with it, you got the overproduction of housing. If you can sell housing at those sorts of prices, you got a lot more houses built. And that inventory still has not been cleared out. Uh, You had something else. The development of toxic, bad mortgage assets in order to finance people buying those overproduced houses. That went on. When when the uh, market... um, and this crisis is not over by a far cry. The housing crisis. Okay? When the housing bubble popped, you got it as a catalyst for the popping of the financial bubble that started uh, in 2007. And you started to get the collapse of the financial system in 2008. Uh, when you had the implosion of Lehman Brothers, you got a free fall in the United States and internationally. From September of 2008 to March of 2009, the bank, the financial system imploded here and internationally. Uh, there was a free fall in the economy, industrial production, and world trade dropped by 20% faster than what had occurred in the 1930s. There was an international coordinated effort led by the United States to prevent a return to a 1930 style depression. I say that for people to understand that there's a decline of American imperialism, but it is still the linchpin of the world capitalist system. It was the only one that had the power to organize such an international rescue that included not just the United States, but the uh, European Union, uh, Great Britain, Japan, and China. And what they attempted to do was for the state to intervene to prevent a 1930s-style depression, to try and draw upon the lessons of what was the capitalist consensus as to what went wrong in the 30s to prevent that from reoccurring. And what was that? One, do not let the banks collapse. If the banks collapse, capitalism can't function. Two, do not allow deflation to set in. Prices in the 30s dropped by 25%. They In Japan, they've been dropping for years, and it means, you know, constant uh, crisis, and so don't let it set in. The third thing is, when you get a severe crisis, you get a collapse in consumer demand and investment. The state should intervene to prop that up, to substitute For the collapse of consumer demand and private investment, the state should produce aggregate demand and investment. And lastly, do not allow for the introduction of protectionist tariffs, a la Smoot Harley uh, in the 1930s that led to the collapse of work. That's the lessons that capitalism drew from the 1930s. The attempt was to uh, avoid that and uh, for the state to intervene uh, and also to lower interest rates to zero or practically zero uh, and so on Okay, uh, and they stabilized it through that internationally coordinated effort and led to a recovery for a year some of it, uh, there's one other aspect of it that I believe I should mention or two, one the American government stepped in and bailed out the banks, the auto industry, the housing and mortgage industry. Eighty, ninety percent of all mortgages now go through the government through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, okay? Uh, the second thing is that what really started the revival of the economy was what they called quantitative easing, which is capitalist speak for printing money. All it was was they printed money and with that money The Fed bought one and a quarter trillion dollars in the last year of mortgage backed securities, of mortgages from the banks. We do not know from which banks. We don't know how bad those assets were, what the Fed paid for them, what they were worth. How toxic they are. What 11 happened to it, but it was a quarter of a trillion dollars pumped into the American banking system, taking their bad assets off of their hands. Okay. The cost of this international bailout, we don't really know. It's at least $10 trillion, maybe more like 20 or more. I mean, you don't read that in the newspaper, do you? Not with the baseball scores. You know, how much did the bailout cost today or, to, you know, anything like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, This was an enormous cost for what is the most pathetic recovery from a severe crisis on record. Okay? We have been in recovery for a year. Growth in the United States is 3%. In Europe and Japan, it is 1%. In China, it's 10 to 12%. Okay? Now, that growth may now be peaking, that may be the best that we get it's not clear yet but it looks like that that it may very well be that that growth has been based upon deficit spending which is now being cut back on inventory restocking which is coming to an end on exports which are starting to uh, feel some pressure by one the European crisis and two the strengthening of the dollar and lastly by consumer spending by the rich which went up 33% okay not by everyone else's consumer spending is sort of flat or going down the, that's what the 3% recovery has been based on so far okay the, and there has been with it the restoration of some profits but 80% of the restoration of profits have been in the financial sector And as a result of the state, of what it did, both in terms of giving free money, zero interest rates, uh, in guaranteeing the 18 largest banks so that they, which gives them $34 billion in profit, just what they save through the government guarantee, uh, and through, uh, riding the yield curve, I'm not gonna, and speculation with free government money, that's what Goldman Sachs does, it gets free money from the government that it then uh, can invest in some places. And lastly, uh, there's also, um, as a result of the government buying up their toxic assets, all the banks revalued the rest of their toxic assets. So that's what's uh, pushed up profits. Nonetheless, what we are now in is a period in which we have... uh, Stagnation at recessionary levels, uh, in truth. 30% unused capacity uh, in production, 15 million people unemployed, 10 million more of them working only part-time. That's 25 million out of 150 million labor force. Young people who come into the labor force in the last couple of years, of course, are not counted. They were never in the labor force. Uh, there have been 5 million foreclosures. 4 million more are coming in the next uh, year, year and a half. Uh one-tenth of all houses in this country did not make a mortgage payment in the last three months one-tenth of all credit cards have have had to be written off in the last year Uh, a quarter of all houses now have negative equity things like that okay that's what has been bought by this recession Uh, meanwhile the only place that is really growing has been China and to some extent it's growing uh, aside from the stimulus from the, it is since it 's the only place where things are actually growing, all sorts of foreign money is going into China, and what you 're getting is one an asset bubble in housing. how do you like that uh, and uh, inflation, but even more the perpetuation of a business model that is producing even more capacity for a world that is awash in unused capacity so for an export to the rest of the world, which if the rest of the world goes back into recession, uh, and so on, uh, the Chinese, uh, economy is not going to be growing at 10% a year. Okay. Now, who is to pay for the enormous cost of this bailout, uh, and so on? Uh, particularly if it isn't working. You get, uh, some economists, particularly the Keynesian ones, who say, well, just give it more money and more time, then it will work. And you get, however, capital saying, it ain't working, it's at an enormous cost, uh, it isn't restoring profits the way it should be, and something else. Uh, can these increase in deficits be funded by private capital uh, that base themselves on making a profit? Okay? Now, it is that which is producing this enormous shift that has just started to occur in the last couple of months of moving away from deficit spending as the way in which to restore growth to austerity as the way in which to restore growth. Okay? All of which comes under the heading of a sovereign debt crisis government sovereign meaning government debt okay that that's the crisis that we face before getting into the government debt crisis let's just get one a couple of things clear because all of the capitalist head fixing industry the media, the politicians uh, the economists, the universities all tell you there's a big big problem that really is the sovereign debt problem and there is however It is not primarily a sovereign debt problem. The debt problem that is making the banks in bad shape is primarily still a private problem of mortgages, of commercial real estate, of corporations, of personal uh, debt, uh, and so on. The government debt, let's say the government debt that exists inside the United States, 800 billion of it is for the war budget. That's double what it was a few years back. Cut it in half. Say 400, you know. Just go back to what it was under Bush. Or Clinton, you know. Hey, no, we can't do that, okay? Uh, then there's, of course, uh, the corporate welfare. There's uh, tax cuts for the rich, which contribute to this government deficit. Uh, you know, they may raise the tax rate from 35 to 38, 39% from the glory years of American capitalism 1940 to the 1980s it was um, 50 to 90 percent okay so there are are various uh, attempts to sort of make you think in one way because of what's about to come okay Um, there is however a government debt crisis which I'll go into uh, right now the first is a lot of it comes from socializing the loss of private capital. They didn't socialize your losses when you, your house price went, but they have socialized the loss of AIG, General Motors, uh, Fannie Mae, uh, Washington Mutual, City, uh, Citi Corp, the Bank of America, you know, those things have been, they are now government debt. Your responsibility. Okay? It's no longer the private responsibility. For example, Spain, which after Greece is the next country to implode, in Spain, during the years of the boom, government uh, debt was cut from 60% of GDP to 40%. Since the crisis began uh, three years ago, it's gone up to 90% of GDP. Okay? That is, the government debt is a result of the crisis. The government debt is not just taking on... The bank debt, but something else. It is a result of the crisis produced. Because one thing that happens in a crisis is government revenues decline. These people pay less taxes. And two, government expenses go up for things like social uh, unemployment, uh, Medicaid for people who've lost uh, their health benefits, food stamps, things like that. All of those things which are a result of the crisis then get labeled as... Go- as a result of the private capitalist crisis, gets labeled as government debt. That you are living beyond your means. Okay? Now, uh, traditionally, in a financial crisis, when you have a financial crisis, in the next three years, the government debt goes up by 86%. It almost doubles. On average, and that's before this financial crisis which is the biggest financial crisis in world history government debt is going up very dramatically as a result of socializing private debt uh, and uh, the cost of the crisis uh, itself okay Um, when it goes up to those levels traditionally when it doubles uh, and goes over 190 or 100% or more of GDP there are three things that governments usually do they default, i.e. they declare bankruptcy and don't pay it, the way Russia did in 97, or they restructure, that is they only pay a part of it, what's called a haircut you only pay the uh, the credit is 80 cents on the dollar or 50 cents or whatever it is or 30 cents, Okay? Or you inflate your way out of a debt crisis. That's what Franklin Roosevelt did in March of 1933 when he cut the United States off the gold standard and inflated out of the debt crisis. Those are the three things that governments do, generally, when you get a big debt crisis. So governments are not exactly the best credit candidates. They don't get... 740 scores on their credit ranking in the middle of a financial crisis. Okay? Particularly when the level of debt makes it clear it's not going to be paid back. Would you loan money to some deadbeat? Okay. That's what the banks do. Okay? In Greece, the level of debt is 120% of GDP. The deficit is 12%. The... The annual deficit Under the, it's supposed to drop to 3% in the next 3 years and still debt will grow to 150% of GDP okay? now if you have low interest l- rates like let's say 5% right now the Greeks are paying 8-9% and more, but let's say they can stabilize it at 5% and you have 150% of GDP, that means 7.5% of GDP just goes to pay the interest on the accumulated debt It's what's known as a debt trap. Let me give it to you in American figures. We have a 14 trillion dollar economy. The deficit is 1.4 trillion, 10%. It would have to be cut to 3% in three years to 420 billion. That's a budget cut of a trillion dollars. Meanwhile, you'd be paying 7.5% on 150% of GDP. That would be a trillion dollars in interest so you would have to take two trillion dollars out of government spending which is now three and a half one, one trillion in budget cuts another trillion dollars in budget cuts to pay the bankers the government spends around three and a half trillion dollars two trillion of it would disappear in three years time that's what is being proposed for Greece that's what the proposal is for Greece that is a depression an enormous depression that goes on and on Therefore, nobody believes that Greece is going to do this year in and year, and it's every year for the rest of their lives or until everything changes and, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: so, every banker thinks Greece will default. They're not going to pay it. They don't default tomorrow because if they did, the Greek banks would collapse. But every banker believes that Greece will restructure. Nobody knows if what okay there's nobody believes that Greece can continue to pay this sort of money year in and year out it will have to restructure well that means that would you loan them money if you know you're going to get a haircut Uh, at what interest rate interest rates really then don't go down and what about the others who are like it who are next on the list Spain and Portugal and Italy and, and Hungary and so on okay What this means is that, first of all, this Osiris is is going to produce a recession. That's nothing compared to what could come. Because if Greece defaults, and one of the things that this bailout plan is really not to save Greece, it is to save the banks, the French and the German banks, and the European Bank, so that Greece can pay the people who it owes money to. But if Greece defaults, there can be a whole avalanche of other defaults, okay? The impact of this on the European banks, the impact of that on the American banks, the impact of this on the Euro, the impact of all of this on the Eurozone, econ- we do not know. That is, all of these things are now being raised. You can say, well, that's catastrophic. Yes, they're raised as possibilities, however, for the first time. They're being raised as possibilities, not by catastrophes, but by people who look at this and say, well, what are we going to do? Because the main thing really is to try to save the banks, okay? It opens things up to a 30-style depression uh, as a real possibility. It's not a question of making predictions about this. These are the things the questions that we're going to be confronting in the next couple of years as what may occur okay now in order to pay off the banks and because that is one, the first thing is no matter what has gone on before what you have to say is the financial system's problems have not been solved nobody would be for uh, imposing this sort of proposal which a year ago would have been to crackpot nobody would have been proposing it on Greece or other parts of Europe and Britain and France and others are to follow no one would be proposing this if the banks were not up Schitt's Creek and had to be bailed out still more in particular the European banks so what is proposed is austerity that's capital speak for saying we want to cut your standard of living austerity means you have to cut consumption cut demand What are you talking about? I thought you said what you learned from the 30s is don't cut consumption, don't cut demand. Step in to make sure it doesn't drop. Because what happened in the 1930s was consumption and demand collapsed and the economy went into freefall for four years, not for six months, the way it did this time. This was the policy of the Hoover administration. And of Andrew Mellon, you know, it was a disaster. Why are they doing this? Do you think they're just crackpots and kooks? No, they're saving themselves at your expense. They don't know what else to do. What had been going on was not working for them and their system. Okay? So, what they are now proposing is... Um, I'm sure I know what if I can read it.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: Okay. What uh, <laughs> they're now proposing is austerity. What's the austerity? Greece is a template for the rest of parts of Europe. Okay. One, they're going to cut the number of government employees. Two, they're going to cut the wages of government employees. They just announced it. They're cutting them by 22 percent. Okay, that's a haircut. In Romania, they announced they were cutting it by 25 percent. They're raising the retirement age. They are cutting all sorts of social services, schools and hospitals to begin with. And they're raising the that, the value-added tax, the tax on consumption, like to 23%. Okay? Uh, and what they're hoping this will do is it will raise unemployment to 20 or 25%, which then means that private wages And private benefits can also be cut, not just public ones. Okay? It's what they're calling an internal devaluation. Because of the euro they can't devalue the free currency. You cut wages and prices by twenty percent. That's their proposal. Deflate. That is what capital solution is at this point. That is austerity and deflation that's the proposal of the European Union of the European Central Bank of the International Monetary Fund and of Social Democracy Social Democracy Papandreou the Prime Minister of Greece is also what? Chairman of the Socialist International And the IMF proposal comes from Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who may be the French Socialist Party candidate for president next year. That's why he want to bring in the IMF, because he might run against Sarkozy. Okay? So, um, That's the proposal for Greece. Within a month of it being announced, austerity measures were also announced in Portugal, in Italy, in Spain, in... Hungary, in Romania in Britain in Germany how much I don't really I, we know what it is in in virtually all of the European countries with the exception of France and in France they're raising the retirement age from 65 to 67 that much we. how much they're actually cutting from the budgets how, how much they're cutting you know, I don't really know but that's what it's all about it may not be as much or as quick as in Greece but it is the step towards that Okay, All of this is done in order to be able to produce the money that can pay government debts to the banks Okay, uh, The 1% recovery in Europe is going to disappear That sort of austerity is to, If I were in Europe and you said is there going to be a double-dip recession the answer is yes Okay? What impact will have on the world economy? How long that will take to work out? I cannot answer to you. But world demand is being cut. Okay? That's pretty clear. What is also going on is the contraction of credit, not just for corporations in those countries, for governments, but also for corporations, for the banks there, and for small and medium-sized businesses that depend upon local banks for if the interest rate is raised on the government of Spain, it's also raised on Telefonica. So that there's a contraction throughout all of uh, European... Okay, I have what, how many more time do I have? Mm -hmm. Ten more minutes, I'm not going to make it. But okay, let me quickly say, in this country, the same thing is coming. That is, the Obama administration appointed a bipartisan commission Designed to give it political cover to carry out a, it's a bipartisan commission on deficit reduction. It is headed by Alan Simpson, uh, former right-wing senator from Wyoming, and Erskine Bowles, who was chief of staff for, for Bill Clinton, uh, and at that point, ten years ago, was for raising social the age of social security. It's going to come in after the midterm elections in December, calling for raising social security to 70. Raising Medicare to 67, cutting Medicaid, uh, introducing a value added tax, cutting the number of public employees. In the last 10 years, there's been, there was no addition of private employees and 2 million public employees. And everyone knows public employees make too much money. They make more than private employees. They have better benefits there. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? Why are they going to call for that? Because what Bernanke said, that's where the money is. You cut where the money is that's where the money is, that's where they're going, to, they're going to contract, and so there'll be a contraction here too, either what we're talking about is a lost decade you know, a la Latin America in the 1980s, with the stagnation that has existed in Japan for the last 20 years, or we're talking about a much more serious crisis uh, I don't have much time, let me just say something about deflation keep, keep talking I am going to keep talking
1: but uh,
0: okay One thing that you have to understand is when you have an economy with a tremendous amount of debt, deflation is the worst possible thing. Why? It's like, well, you know, you have a house that's 25% underwater because the price has dropped, but you're still paying mortgage payments on a price that doesn't really exist anymore. The same thing would be true of all other debt if there was a deflation. It's a banker's wet dream. It's what they want. They want you to be paying off your mortgage on a house that isn't worth that. They want it throughout all of society. That's what a deflation would mean. It is something in the interest of creditors, not of debtors. And this is what? A debtor society, except for the banks. But we know what comes first. That is, you have to restore bank profitability if you're going to have a healthy capitalism. That's the logic of capitalism. The logic of capitalism today says you must suffer so the bankers can have big bonuses. Oh, they shouldn't do that. It's too obscene. But really what we have to do is give them as much money as possible to restore the banking system here and internationally. That's what it's about. Okay? Let me try and just, uh, wind up by talking about resistance. Okay? First thing I think we have to understand was what this crisis began was with the failure of the free market it was the failure of the free market to self-regulate self uh, uh, you know, overcome it blah blah, the government stepped in this is now the failure of capitalist state economics and policies now um, it is preparing the basis for the biggest attack on working class standards of living in
1: generations
0: I say it is preparing the basis for an attack on working class living standards in generations it's very clear in Greece and other parts of Europe are to follow, maybe not as badly probably not as bad, in the United States not as badly and so on but nonetheless that's what it's about Okay? the working class and the left are not prepared for this, let's be very clear as a result of all the years of uh, neoliberalism uh, and the defeat of the left and the working class uh, you have a decline of consciousness of socialist consciousness throughout the world of basic trade union consciousness uh, you have a new generation that does not have traditions of mass struggle that however is um, that's the past that's where we're starting from but what Greece says is class struggle has been put back on the agenda in Greece in Romania in Spain and elsewhere even in China where I'm sure you saw the Honda workers when they went out on strike elected a factory council yeah. now, I, have, I don't know how they came to that conclusion but I think it's <laughs> wonderful but uh, What you're getting is some of the first beginnings of a revival of a class struggle left internationally. Even in the city of Chicago, where there's a victory for reformers inside the teachers' union. These are small steps in the revival of a class struggle left. Um, There is... um, Let's be very clear. One of the things that's missing... Militant cadres. I don't just mean revolutionary Marxist cadres. I mean trade union cadres. I mean working class cadres. I mean movement cadres. This is going to be a long process of the rebuilding of a left, of a class struggle left, in a much, much more nastier period when it's impossible. Impossible to avoid all sorts of things like they're cutting your wages, your pensions, anything else, you know, and so on. Okay? Uh, what's occurring in Greece should be a wake up call for us. Um, this generation of revolutionaries were not forged in a revolutionary period. Revolution really is a distant memory. It hasn't been on the agenda for years. Most revolutionaries don't even think it's on the agenda or will be on the It's something for the distant past or the distant future, right? Uh, we are entering, however, a long period of what is going to be a nasty continuing capitalist crisis with different phases, with some recoveries in it, but with the attempt to make us pay for the cost of this crisis. It is introducing a new Period and a new period of struggle. There are going to be lots of defeats and retreats in that struggle. You cannot say we're about to start a new period of class struggle without revolutionary, without trade union cadres, without revolutionary cadres, and think it's all up, up, in a way, and we take state power next month. This is going to be a prolonged. Struggle, a prolonged crisis and a prolonged struggle um, in which there are going to be these cuts and which capitalism is going to get nasty, not just in terms of cuts, but in scapegoating. Whose fault is it? It's not the system's fault. It's immigrants, it's school teachers, it's public employees, it's China, it's anybody but us. Okay? There's going to be every sort of, you know, there are going to be all sorts of things like that. Uh, and we are going to have to be involved in every aspect of this resistance to cap- the attempt of capitalism to make us pay for the crisis to blame various parts of the working class uh, or, and, and so on for the crisis and so on we're going to have to fight the effects of the crisis that is people are not about to go out and change the system They're about, they may be forced to start fighting the effects of the crisis. But it is in that fight that the struggle to create trade union cadres, revolutionary cadres, to start rebuilding a revolutionary working class vanguard and its party that can emancipate labor, it is in this crisis of capitalism that we are setting ourselves that goal.